Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's David Smith. Welcome back to another edition of Illinois Family Spotlight. I am Dave Smith, Executive Director of Illinois Family Institute, Illinois Family Action, and we are doing part two with guys from um, creation organizations, and we just we just ran out of time. So we need to uh, extend this to part two with Eric Hovind with creationtoday.org and Helmut Welk with Quad City Creation Science Association. And if you want to know more about them, well, click the link in the show notes. We want to pick up where we left off and start asking some questions of these guys. Um, well, my one of my big questions that just bothers me because, you know, you turn on a, a movie or you turn on the animal channel, uh, you listen to the news. Uh, of course, government schools and others operate as if the theory of evolution has been proven empirically. Now, the word empirically means without a shadow of a doubt, right? Yep. It's proven, but it's a theory. It still is a theory. We know it's fake science, but they claim it's settled science. How do we respond to these guys that make you... Do, do they frustrate you like they frustrate me? Oh, oh man. <laughs> you have no... Have you yelled at the TV helmet? Yes, I, I have. I, I have. I get there. I get my kids. So I still remember sitting watching Dinosaur Train with my son, Jordan, and okay. he was probably about seven or eight years old. I actually got this on video because immediately I videotaped us afterwards. I just talked about it in a show uh, recently. And so I pulled that clip up and I'm watching my son and I there. And it was the first episode where they started teaching. They they got on the they got on the train, and Mr. Conductor, you know, <laughs> took them back to the Jurassic period or the Cretaceous period, and they went and saw one of the dinosaurs, and he was different from the other dinosaurs because he had feathers. Oh no! And they started teaching the dinosaur to bird evolution on yeah. Dinosaur Train, and which which is totally unscientific. Did did dinosaurs did not evolve into birds? I mean, you think about all the differences. Their their brains are different. Their breathing is different. Their their uh, biology is different. Their muscles are different. Their bones are hollow versus solid. They did not just simply change into birds. Okay, but we're talking that. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm like Jordan. Do you realize? And he would sit there over and over as we're watching dinosaur training. Hey, Dad, is that true? Hey, Dad, is that true? And it just ended up being for us a time to learn discernment. Discerning right from wrong, discerning truth from errors. So, uh, no, I, I get very frustrated. There's a new movie out. The name of the movie, the name of the movie coming out real soon here is 65. Wow. 65. It's very vague. 65. <laughs> Jenna, 65. That's, That's the movie. Wonderful. You're going to go see 65? The whole thing is. That's when I get my social security. <laughs> That's no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> the whole point of the movie is the sci fi movie, Travel Back. 65 million years ago to the age of the dinosaurs. Oh, and they got about, it looks awesome. I'm like, I'm going to watch this movie and I'm going to be ticked the whole time. I'm going to be going, how many millions of people saw this right, and got deceived right. and got lied to? So mm -hmm. incredibly frustrating. So so when we see an animal planet or, um, you know, type movie. A, and nature, we're a nature documentary. A nature documentary, you know. So, uh, you know, this animal evolved over whatever millions of years. My whole room will groan together. I love it. Together. Even well, though it's David Attenborough saying it with that beautiful English yeah, right. accent. It's like, 65 million years. 
years ago. I can't do a good English accent, but uh, <laughs> oh man, I, it's that was so a good track. What in the world is is sixty five going to be relevant for long? Because don't they keep pushing back the age of the Earth to make it more convenient? Because it just couldn't happen in sixty five million need years. More time. They, they need, need more time. time. That's the age of this. So they would put the Earth at about uh, a couple billion years old. The sixty five million would be when the dinosaurs would extinct. Ah. So they would they keep leaving that number pretty much alone. Okay. The sixty five. But if it was the age of the Earth. Yeah, the, and then the age of the universe, that was 20, then down to 18, then down to 12, then up to 13, now 13.4. Just changed, It's now 13.7679, something like that, yeah. Holy cow, that's amazing. Jenna, you've got a question. Yeah, so as the all the technology, um, we're learning much more about the irreducibly complex nature of the human body, and even down to our very selves. So what do these discoveries help in the case for creationism? Or as you said, creation science? Well, I think that's one of the key things to learn. And that is this irreducibly complex system. Learn to think in terms of systems. A living cell has millions of parts, different yeah. thousands of different proteins that all have to be there at once. And you cannot just start taking pieces out. There's a few you can take out. Maybe a better example that we can relate to is an airplane. You can reduce parts, right? right. You can take out the seats. Sure. Can it still fly? Sure. Yeah, sure. Can you take out, you know, the cal the galley, the kitchen, or some of the other stuff? Can it still fly? Yes. Oh, but can you take out one of the engines? Eh, maybe. It can still fly, right. at least if it's in flight. But if can you take out the fuel lines? <laughs> oh no, no. Can you take out the rudders? Well, not very well. You have to think in terms of systems. And a living cell has multiple systems wow, that great. all have to appear at once. And the odds of a single protein, only one of the little portions of a simple cell has the odds of appearing in the, in the exact sequence of amino acids that make up proteins. If you get into the statistics of that, the odds of a simple protein appearing in a chemical soup is one out of 10 to the 200th power. Oh, that is huge. But now I need yeah. hundreds of these, right. if not thousands. And they all got to appear at once. Otherwise, it, it's not alive. And the proteins, they don't last. They don't stick around. They're going to dissolve. They're going to float away. The amino acid bonds will break, especially in water. That's why you soak your dishes in water. Yeah. The peptide bonds break apart, makes it easier to clean all those organic things. I keep telling things. my kids to rinse the dishes <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because it makes it easier to and, clean. And now you know why. <laughs> That's right. That's That's awesome. right. So those proteins are coming apart. Now you can give them a different answer other than because I told you yeah. to. <laughs> but that's it. So system thinking or irreducibly complex is very powerful. Now, they try to say things like, well, you know, uh, Dar what was it Michael Behe's book, Darwin's Black Box? Well, that's not science. Oh, sure it is. It's all science. Mm -hmm. They just deny the con conclusion yeah. and therefore try to put up roadblocks along the way. But systems thinking, learning to think of all the different parts that have to be there to make a system work. Eric likes talking about the human eye yeah. and how the eye and the brain develop in the fetus and your mommy's tummy, they develop at the same time. And then there's nerves between the eyes and the brain that have to start growing and then reach out and connect just right. Mm -hmm. How many different nerves like that between the eyes and the brain have to form and reach correctly, Eric? Uh, over 100,000. 
And they have to, number one has to connect to number one, and number two has to connect to number two, and number 99,275 has to connect to number 99,275. And you think that just happened by chance? That was an accident? That is an Come irreducible on. complex system, the idea of vision. And that was one of Darwin's biggest problems. Yes. He knew, yes. even then, before we know now. He had a, a complaint if, if the eye is as complex as I think it is. And I'm how trouble, does that right? work? Because like the eye has to be just right. It's got all the different components. And then you've got the optic nerve, and then you've got the part of the brain that interprets those yeah. signals wow. and gives us everything from colors and dimensions and so on. It's amazing. It so learn to think in systems thinking. You need the entire system. In my area, I'm a systems and industrial engineer by training. So I learned to look at a factory as a single system. It's not just the assembly line. It's not just this little machine over here doing that job. The whole thing has to work in sync yeah. to make a product efficiently and with high quality. Same thing is in, in life. And it's interesting you're touching on probability again here. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, all right. Well, listen, I, I remember when Mount St. Helens erupted. I was uh, about 10 or 11 years old. You're probably, Eric, two or three years old. I was old. just a couple years old. Yeah. Yep. So it was the talk of the day back then. Uh, a fraction of the power of God was on full display in that natural disaster. And in the wake of, of the event, God gave us these opportunities to observe the results of what happened. But science has kind of avoided those lessons, haven't they? What could we learn from Mount St. Helens and that amazing natural disaster? Yeah, Mount St. Helens changed the way geologists look at geology. Mm. They can no longer look at geology. They do, but they should not, no longer look at geology through what we call uniform processes. Slow, steady, gradual. It cannot happen like that. And Mount St. Helens showed us a multitude of things, seven main things. I'll hit a couple of them. Sure. When it erupted, it showed us the power of how the landscape can change incredibly quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very quickly afterwards, it showed us it created in what's called a pyroclastic flow. I just hiked this last year with Dr. Steve Austin, who is the creation expert. So you expert. were there. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. You, you, you hike several miles up in. Uh, you have to get a special permit to get there. Uh, so I went there early, and I flew over it in an airplane. We kind of flew down into the—I don't think you're supposed to, but we flew down into the crater a little bit and then back up, and it's like, this is amazing. Uh, the pyroclastic flows that were moving over 100 miles, solid rock, moving like a liquid. It was moving so fast it moved and behaved like a liquid, solid stuff but moved and started behaving like a liquid. And it showed us how that could happen. It, When it was moving at over 100 miles an hour, it ended up uh, stratifying. It ended up creating layers. Right, right. And you can, and that's what we were down there looking at is all these layers that were formed. And then it blocked off the Toodle River, backed up the Toodle River uh, for quite a while until it eventually got so high that the Toodle River went over all that mud flow and cut through it. And it cut a 140th size of the Grand Canyon in days. In days. In days, you had a mini Grand Canyon showing us the power of the water. Go back after that, and all of a sudden, you're seeing all these layers inside there. So the layers can form quickly. The trees got buried standing upright, some of them. A lot of them were blown off. Some were buried standing upright. Well, they're below the ground right now, but they're, they're, they're going to end up turning they're to stone. They're right? petrified. And we find places around the world. Yellowstone National Park has petrified forest where we see trees that are that are buried standing straight up, but petrified. And the catastrophe makes way more sense than uniformity. So the, the fact that what Mount St. Helens did is it showed us that this had to be a catastrophic event, let alone seven years after the event, 
ICR went up there, Institute for Creation Research guys went up there, took some of the lava samples out of the dome and had them out of the dome and had them tested for uh, the the potassium argon. It resets the clock and okay, how much is in there? And it, they're supposed to be able to tell how old rock is based on these radiometric dating methods. Sure. So they date seven-year-old rock using potassium argon, expecting to get seven years. Did I say days? Seven-year-old rock using yeah. potassium argon, expecting to get something in that vicinity. The results came back between 350,000 and 2 million years old for that rock. <laughs> Showing us it doesn't work. Our ideas of how radiometric dating uh-huh. works are not I think accurate. the machine was not calibrated. <laughs> yeah, so that was the problem. <laughs> try it again. There's plenty of lava up there. You can try it as many times as you want. You yeah. still get problems. Yeah, I bet. Mel St. Helens is a creationist best. All right, so friend. Helmet, you got to organize a trip up there sometime too. It's been done, and we'll uh, we'll probably do that. Yeah, all right. Very cool. All Steve right, well, Austin t- is, is one of the scientists who's done a lot of digging. He is a, has a sedimentary geology degree from Penn State University, and he went skin diving in Spirit Lake with uh, – Eric mentioned af- many years after the explosion, and you could see the trees petrifying at the bottom of Spirit Lake That's vertically, incredible. appearing just the way they do in Yellowstone National Park. Only in Yellow Nas- National Yellowstone National Park, the signs say millions and millions of years. No, they can't do that. They can't do it. We've got we actually have video film. Of this <laughs> exactly, happening. we Saint, saw it happen. Mount St. Helens is God's gift to modern oh, yeah. creation science. It's, and nobody needed to die there. Somebody did because they refused to leave. But God gave that, and as Eric mentioned, it has destroyed uniformitarian geology, which has been the, the rule since the days of Charles Lyell before Darwin. Mm. And it, it shows that catastrophes happened. And many geologists, uh, and they, many of them are friends of uh, Steve Austin, and they admit, no, there had to be catastrophes. They don't want to admit just one catastrophe, Noah's flood, so they just say, well, there must have been thousands of catastrophes billions of years apart. But that's just conjecture because they need billions of years. All right, well, let's take a break and we'll come right back and we'll finish our interview with Eric Hoven and Helmut Welk. With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. As one of the most prominent new atheists, Richard Dawkins provided a kind of academic facade for the anti-religious and specifically anti-Christian movement. In more recent years, however, he finds himself on the same side of those he once opposed. Recently on Piers Morgan television show, Dawkins pushed back against trans activists, calling them bullies. Looking back on a time that he was canceled for simply asking to discuss why transracialism is bad but transgenderism is good, Dawkins observed that while race is literally a spectrum, science only allows for two sexes in our species. Whatever our disagreements are with atheists like Dawkins, and there are many, scientism and theism do share common ground. We both believe that truth about reality exists beyond our perceptions, and it's not changed by a prevailing cultural mood. At the same time, what Dawkins tends to forget is that he owes Christianity, a worldview he despises, for the intellectual framework for the science he so trusts. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Welcome back to Illinois Family Spotlight. I am here with Jenna Smith with Self Evident Podcast, Eric Hoven with Creation Today, Helmet Welk with Quad City Creation Association, and uh, we're 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 talking all about God's creation versus human quote unquote wisdom. 
uh, or understanding, which is really misunderstanding. <laughs> Jenna, you had a question that you wanted to ask these gentlemen. Yes. Well, first of all, how can parents and grandparents and, frankly, just church leaders uh, help their children be ready to engage a world that does not believe in the Bible or they don't believe in creation and uh, they've already been tainted by evolutionary thinking? Well, I got a couple thoughts for you guys on that. Number one, uh, if you want to learn how to defend your faith, go start sharing it. That's the number one problem we have is we don't have people actively sharing their faith. You want your kids to know their faith? You take them out with you and you start sharing your faith and then encourage them to do it. Now, I use tracks. I love creative tracks. They can't be just boring tracks. They got to be unique. So uh, I, 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 I buy webs. I buy people's coffee and I give them a little card and the card just says why I bought your and curiosity kills the cat every time they go to whyaboughtyourcoffee.com and they end up hearing the gospel. So we sell these little cards that just say whyaboughtyourcoffee.com or you can leave an extra tip on a on a bill and write on their on the receipt whyaboughtyourcoffee.com. So that's a way. But when I actually talk, like I could have died. So and, cool. Oh, it's I, I love the last three. I'm going to get sidetracked here, but the last three conversations I've had with people this week, I've asked them, hey, let me ask you something. Alex was in the Claire's while my daughter was getting an earring in Claire's and I uh, said, I said, Alex, uh, started talking to her. She was there by herself. What you been doing? How's your week going? Oh, you ready to go home? I got a question for you, Alex. Why did God make you? And she sat there and she went, huh. She said, you know, I've been wondering that. I don't know. Ladies drawing my blood the next morning for my annual checkup. And I said, hey, why do you think God made you? She said, I've been wondering that. I wanted to answer that question. The next morning, my daughter, it's turned for, time for her to get her blood drawn. I guess we're getting a lot of blood drawn this time of year. <laughs> I'm there talking. I take her in, and uh, and we're talking to the lady there. And I said, "Hey, I got a question for you. Why do you think God made you?" All three of them were wondering how to answer that. And I went, "Well, we got it. We need help here." So I bought WhyDidGodMakeMe.com, and I'm about to develop that website. So anyway, you wow. go share your faith, and you will learn to defend your faith. And so I could have died and gone to heaven. I got video of my kids passing out tracks and having conversations with people, and I'm like. God, you can take me home. I feel accomplished. I am, I am done. You, if you want to use me for anything else, that's fine. I'll stick around. But man, watching my kids share their faith, that's probably the best way. So yes, you want to teach them. Yes, you want them to have great resources. If they're not watching the Creation Today show with you every week, you're failing as a parent, just so you know. It's a great, fun show. And where can they find that, Eric? That's creationtoday.org. Okay, creationtoday.org. Okay. Uh, i got to right. watch that. But man, I, I would say not only teach them, but ask great questions. Why do they believe what they believe? You know, And, and when you're talking to your friends, you know, um, how, why, why do you believe these things? Why do we do these things? And then every time we watch a movie or a show, I'm always doing a worldview analysis. Why do you think they said this? Why do you think they had Man, the mom do that? And you're actually I try to do that too at yes, home. Absolutely. You're analyzing the worldview of what the producers of that movie were actually thinking when they made the film. So many of today's um, superhero movies are just so wrong. The latest one being Black Adam, where he's going out doing good, but he's against the law. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> He's above the law. Do you see what he's doing here? This is not right. This is the message. It's okay to be a vigilante. It's okay to do this as long as That's you're doing good in yeah. the eyes, right? It, but who really defines dangerous. the good? Mm -hmm. Right, right. We've got over 80. A lot. If you say, hey, take them to a creation museum. Let them experience it. Well, there's only two of those, right? Oh, my goodness. I, I started a website called visitcreation.org. Okay. And it's just all the places around America. How many creation vacation places do you think there are around America? I wouldn't have said more than two. Okay. So over 80. 
Really? And I was blown away. There's, I mean, some a lot of them are small places, but they're trying to present the truth of creation to individuals. So families can go there and support these people and get their kids to learn these truths at the same time. Excellent. So do you have resources also for, like, in Illinois, especially southern Illinois, we've got mammoth caves, you know, these different places with these uh, stalactites. Stalactites and stalactites. Yeah, thank you. I can't say them right. You know, I mean— Evidence, guys? Is there evidence there Incredible. for a creator? So in, if you look it up in the textbooks, they'll say stalactites and stalactites take millions of years to form. Yeah. But yet you go to Thermopolis, Wyoming, and there's one that is probably about three stories tall now that is uh, less than 100 years old. Really? It does. There are 22-inch stalactites hanging off the Lincoln Memorial. It, and they say it takes 1,000 years to grow one inch. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so but Lincoln was here 50,000 years ago, guys. It's a big conspiracy, okay? That's what's really going he on. Was, he was planted here by some aliens, right? Yeah. So, but teach, teach them the truth. And again, the best way for them to learn is to go out and have to share. And if they're having to share, they will, they will need to figure it out. And Eric already hinted at this. Learn to ask good questions. Just have a couple questions prepared. Like, what do you think about that? Or, hey, I just learned something about the Lucy fossil. Have you heard of that? Yeah, what, what do you think? Do you think you came from an ape? And how long ago were your ancestors swinging in trees? Now, most, most people reject that, right, though, Helmet? Would, most people say, oh, I wasn't descendants of apes, right? Well, they kind of throw it back. Well, it had to be millions of years ago, so they just kind of uh, hide it in you know, deep time. But uh, the real fact is that could Lucy walk upright? Hey, I learned that if you look at the, you know, there's, this is one of the other things that's very key. Uh, I mentioned system thinking early, but when people start talking to you about fossils and they show you these artistic renditions, learn to ask, may I see the actual fossil? Mm -hmm. So like in the Chicago Field Museum, there's a wonderful statue, and I've seen the same statue around the world of the Lucy fossil, three and a half foot tall chimpanzee standing erect with human feet, very hairy feet, but they're, they look very human with the thumb up front, the uh, big toe. Now, may I see the fossil? Well, right across the aisle is the actual fossils. Look at the fossil. Are there any foot fossils in the actual find? No. Oh. How do you know the foot looked like that? They filled in the blank. Yeah, they filled in the blank based on their bias. That's right. And yes, secular scientists have their own bias. Absolutely. So, Learn to see that. Or the Artie came out, I don't know, several years ago, a big find. Oh, it's one of our ancestors. And they show the pictures in the Wall Street Journal of this hairy face, but the eyes show the white of the eyes and the, and the little uh, iris and the pupil. When they show the white of the eyes on a hairy ape man type face, well, do you have any fossils of the eyeballs and how that fit? <laughs> no. Of course not. It's a game they play. When they look at the, when you look at those images, you want it to think it's on its way to becoming human. No animal shows the white of its eyes naturally. Mm -hmm. They have them. You can you know hold down the eyelid a little bit on your dog, but when you look naturally at the front, mm -hmm. without any uh, you know movement, you only see the black or the brown, the iris. No animal shows the white of the eyes because that is a sign of being human. And so they draw these artistic renditions with the white of the eyes to make you think. It's a little, you know, it's a a psychological game that they play. Now, the arty fossil, when you look at what they actually have for the skull, obviously there's no eyeball fossils and how it would fit in the socket. 
but it's fragments, tiny fragments. You could put it together any way you want mm. because there's so much missing and the connecting points are so difficult. Now they think they got it right, but then they draw it that way and then they say it was on its way to walking up right now with the already fossil, they do have the fossil feet, bones okay. from the feet, and you have the opposing thumb on the feet. It mm. could eat a banana with its feet. Sure. It was not. Or hang upside down on a tree. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So learn to ask, may I see the actual bones, and then compare it to the artistic renditions and say, I'm sorry, I'm a skeptic. <laughs> I can't go there. I don't see this yeah. drawing matching well, with the actual science They're depending science on is. us to be spoon-fed by them, right? Exactly. And we can't do that. That's good. All right, so here's a short question, but it has significance, big significance, right? Does the age of the world matter or the earth matter? Great question. We get that all the time because I have people say, Eric, why are you guys so, why are you focusing on being a young earth ministry? Why are you focusing on the earth being six to 10,000 years old? Yeah. And just, why don't you just focus on Jesus? So my response is, you know what? That is a great idea. Let's focus on Jesus. <laughs> what did Jesus teach? And you cannot help but go through Jesus's teaching and realize that when asked about divorce, he took him straight to Genesis and said, this is why a man is going to leave his father and mother and cleave into his wife and become one flesh. Jesus focused on Genesis. So when people tell me, focus on Jesus, I say, okay, if we focus on Jesus, guess what he focused on? He focused on the truth of Scripture over and over and over. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Well, before Pontius Pilate, he said, I came to testify to the truth. The truth. The truth, yes. And so over and over. So I say it like this. Can you get saved? Can you understand the gift of God and, and salvation and eternal life without understanding young earth creation? Sure. So the age of the earth is not essential to salvation. However, the age of the earth is critical to the doctrine that gives us salvation. Why did Christ die? to pay the penalty of sin. What's the penalty of sin? Death, exactly. So death is an enemy. Well, if the earth is billions of years old, or if God used a long periods of time, death is no longer an enemy. It's actually part of his, quote, very good creation. So you're having to theologically change scripture and change the message of salvation or the, the reason for salvation, because now death is not the enemy. It's part of what brought about mankind. And it distorts your view of God. And it destroys, is it, do we serve a God who created a world filled with death and suffering, or do we serve a God who created it perfect and then man messed it up and he is the one fixing it and redeeming it? Yes. So it distorts it also. The, the, how, how I would put it on Twitter. I love the way you phrased that. Is that was the great. age of the earth is not essential to salvation, but it's critical to the doctrine that gives us salvation. Right. Helmet? Very good. Um, so that question does come up a lot. You know, you can talk about evolution creation. Evolution, of course, depends on millions and billions of years. And uh, you will find people, skeptics uh, or atheists or agnostics, that will accept questioning evolution and talk about it. But if you question the age of the Earth, then they get angry oh, yeah. or emotional. But when someone asks you that, like when I'm asked that, I have learned a very important lesson. If somebody asks you that, and let's say you've already seen the science, you're you're now uh, going with the Bible, which is, you know, the earth has to be less than 10,000 years. The way to answer that is do not give them your answer up front. Jesus answered a lot of tough questions with another question, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He didn't give them a direct answer. And so you want to get people to think. So when I am asked that up front, especially by somebody I don't know, my answer is, and I suggest this for you too, Oh, that's a good question. How old is the Earth? Well, did you know 
that there are maybe 90 to 100 different ways to measure the age of the Earth, and that 95% of them indicate this planet cannot be millions of years old. Would you like to hear about some of them? Then you can get a discussion, because if you just blurt out your answer, and if you're you know, inclined to believe that the Earth is six to 10,000 years old, if you give them that answer, most people would turn you off and just dismiss you. And do you have so that, you those get resources that dialogue. on your website? Uh, not that particular one, but well, I have write-ups on different ways to to uh, uh, explain the age of the Earth. You know, a couple of quick examples is Earth's magnetic field. It's decaying at a fast rate. We've been able to measure it for well over 100 years. Okay. And if you go backwards, this planet would be much too hot if you go back uh, tens of thousands of years for life to exist, okay. mm -hmm. to get a stronger magnetic field. Uh, Dr. Russell Humphreys, a great physicist, who was born into an atheistic home and not become a, a Christian until he was in graduate school mm -hmm. and realized he could trust the Bible. He's done a lot of scientific work on that, making scientific predictions. And he has shown that with the Earth's magnetic field and its fast decay, this planet cannot be more than 20,000 years old. Wow. And then there's other indicators like salt in the oceans, there's not enough. Uh, erosion rates, too fast. You can't go hundreds of millions of years. Actually, all of North America would be eroded down to sea level in less than 14 million years. Whoa. Just so, at our erosion rates. Right. Uh, and then the comets. We shouldn't have short period comets because every time they go around the sun, they disappear. They lose a chunk of that. That's what makes the tail of a comet. It's losing water, vapor, and material. It's being burnt up. And if you make too many trips, those comets disappear. They can't not have been going around the solar system for millions of years. So there's a there's dozens more. Just learn three or four of them and answer that question. Oh, there's many ways to measure the ways of the Earth. Good question. Can I tell you about some that indicate the planet cannot be so, millions of years old? So educate yourself. Yes, that's what it takes. Well, first Peter three fifteen, be ready for an answer. Exactly. I did a whole show called Old Earth Creation on Trial, and uh, that's on our website for free. You can watch that. And just taking Old Earth Creation and going, is it possible to have an Old Earth Creation? And what did, you know, what's the, what's, what's the why behind the Old Earth Creation? What were they thinking? And so that gets into that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a look at those lists. Uh, Brian Osborne at AnswersInGenesis.org uh, or AnswersInGenesis.org yeah. uh, has done and compiled a list where he literally shows right there on the slides and you can, you can see the whole list. There's a bunch. Answers in Genesis has a top 10 list, the top 10 ways to show the earth is not billions of years old. So, If you would like a list of what I think are the top 33 uh, <laughs> indicators of the age of the earth, send me an email, info at qccsa.org, and I will send you that PDF document. Oh, I'm going to have to do that. I'm, I'm curious. Awesome. You've, yeah. You piqued my, my curiosity. But why, here's the last question. Um, why is this answer not settled within our churches oh boy <laughs> well, that brings up a whole lot of things That's about a, what's going on in the churches well what's going on in our seminaries in the seminaries exactly i was on a uh, trip last uh, two two summers ago my first opportunity to travel all the way down the colorado river uh, on a raft go through the big rapids i mean we're, it was incredible yeah. oh triple lifetime but 10 days with no toilet uh, <laughs> And uh, nothing but a big river. It was phenomenal. And I was joined by four guy, PhD guides, and they were taking an entire group down, and they took several seminary professors down on this trip and showed them just the geological evidence 
for the earth not being billions of years old. Mm. We stopped at a place called Monument Fold. We were on about day number seven or eight of the trip. The, 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 tower, the, the canyon walls next to you are now a mile high. Oh so you're now looking straight up at over a mile of rock above your head. Wow. And at Monument Fold, all, mi- all one mile, which, which are, that one mile is made up of several different, several hundred feet layers, thick strata. So you got the bright angel, the muab, the, all these different layers to the earth. All one mile of it bends at a 90 degree angle down, goes down for several hundred feet, and then bends at another 90 degree angle and flattens back out. Literally makes an S curve for one mile. Well, if the old earth perspective is correct, the bottom rocks are 500 million years older than the top rocks. So the bottom rocks would have been solidified while the top rocks were still forming as soft sediments. So there's no way they could bend like that without cracking. Yeah. Or because of the heat and pressure during that bending or during that movement, turning into more of a metamorphic type of rock. It would change the, the structure of the rock because of all that heat and pressure. So they went and they took samples from the fold, looked at them under a microscope. There's not even any cracks in the rocks at all. They are all crystallized right there in that formation, all, all one mile of it. So there's no way that all those could have folded and bent as solid rock. They had to all be soft sediment at the exact same time. Uh, so um, now I'm trying to remember. I, My I question, right, why is, oh, so what did those PhD doctors? Uh, yeah, so the seminaries. Yeah. Some of them Same. still wouldn't believe because they are still taking a what we call the framework hypothesis interpretation of Genesis. And it all comes down to putting science over modern science, I should say, not even science, fake science, modern interpretations of the scientific data yeah. above the authority of Scripture. And you've talked about the framework hypothesis and how so many people are buying into this idea of let's re- let's go back to Genesis and let's try to read it. And understand that they didn't understand. They didn't have modern science. They didn't have that. And anyway, that was. Um, you need to be short. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> to get to millions of years and say, okay, there's a gap theory. There's the framework hypothesis. People have tried to fit it in for the last 200 years, and it doesn't work. Uh, just as a quick example, we've got some. Uh, is it J. R. C. Sprouls? He, uh, he's, I have a quote from him, and I've got others, but just one example. He says, he used to believe in the framework hypothesis or considered a real, realistic thing. But then he dug into it and what the scripture says. He says, you have to do great injury to the Hebrew text to come up with the framework and squeeze in millions of years, mm. and that it, you're, you're hurting scripture. You're taking man's ideas and trying to meld it sure. with what God himself yeah. says. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I know I'm going to be stepping on the toes of some friends at seminaries right here in Illinois who believe it, or at least teach it, and they then close their eyes to the evidence, like monument fold, Earth's magnetic field, comets, salt in the oceans, erosion rates, and say, well, it must be millions of years because that's all I've heard my whole life. Mm. And yet they will then say, all scripture is inspired by God and probable for teaching yeah. correction and training in righteousness. How do you bring that together? Well, they think they have to. So they use ancient Near East poetry and they lift that, in my mind, to the level of scripture wow. and interpret Genesis using ancient Near East poetry. But you're adding secular pagan ideas to what God himself says he wrote. Here's the big problem. Pastors are taking 
a perfectly good book that has never been proven wrong and compromising it with a theory that's never been proven right. Does the fear of man play any role in this? Absolutely. They think. They don't want to be out of step with Correct. Modern science. science. And here's that, and that's why it's so funny to me. I'm like, do you realize the absurdity of what you're doing to your flock? Do you realize you're going to be held accountable to God one day for this? You, you're, you are trying to say, well, let's fit in with modern science. You're never going to get a virgin birth to make sense. You're never going to get a man walking on water to make sense. You're never going to get a guy coming back to life to be proved scientifically. So why are you compromising on the very foundation, Genesis? And Satan is smart. We know he's he is crafty. He is a lion seeking whom he can devour. He knows he doesn't have to attack every book of the Bible because every book of the Bible rests on Genesis. And if he can destroy Genesis... He doesn't have to worry about the rest. That's a very compelling case right there. And this is why we need to dig into this topic. Uh, and I'm now doubling down in the homeschooling front in <laughs> my house with uh, Creation Today. That's Creationtoday.org, for sure. Creationtoday.org, baby. Start watching those shows and get educated. And QCCSA.com. Dot org. Org. Both of them are dot .orgs. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you so Not much. Not to mention, for... I'm going to start. My daughter has been wanting to do a podcast. She's starting a conference that's really cool for girls. So I'm going to be hooking her up with yourself. As Absolutely. That that's awesome. Fantastic. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys for Thanks, joining us and Thanks, taking Dave. two. <laughs> two for the price of one here. So take us out. With all that being said, thank you so much for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless you. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.